0: At my last job, I probably would have been on the side of a road, probably in a hole in the ground. Today, I was at my desk and my cat was cuddling
1: me.
2: Hi, I'm Anita Smith. I'm Bradley Rice. And And you're you're listening to the the Salesforce Salesforce for Everyone Everyone podcast. In today's show, we get to hear the story of someone who DIY'd his way into a Salesforce career.
0: I'm just, like, smacking my head against the wall, and I'm like, is this something I can actually do? Is this legitimately something that
1: I'm capable of doing? Also, Brad shares his thoughts on the reality of the certification process. Like, there are mapped out paths to climb ridiculous rock faces to reach the top of a mountain. It's very clear what you need to do, but it is not easy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's episode, we're actually going to be talking to someone who use the DIY approach from start to finish to land their first Salesforce job and kick off their Salesforce career. So we're going to get to spend some time today walking through exactly what that looks like, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and everything in between. So with me today to walk through that process with you is going to be Anita Smith. How's it going, Anita?
2: Hey, it's going pretty well. Um, I'm getting a head start to planning my vacation for next year. (laughs) Not to just be boastful. I'm starting already because I am camping a lot because I've been in the process of buying a house and can't afford to pay for hotel rooms anymore. But with camping, a lot of these national parks, you know, they get booked up really quick. Like the other day, I woke up at 4 a.m. to book a campground in Hawaii because they do not do daylight savings and. The campgrounds drop at like midnight Hawaii time. Anyways,
1: (laughs) I still can't believe you guys camp on vacations. Like if I went on vacation, I would just need so much sleep after returning home from my camping vacation. I like the thought of it, but I know if you put me in a tent in a national park on vacation, it's not going to go well, especially with my wife and a six-year-old.
2: Oh, I don't know. I always sleep the best while camping and you get to like sleep on beaches and all that. I don't know. I feel like it's the best location Anyways, enough about me and my vacations. Fine. <laughs> love, to, <laughs> love to bring on Zach. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing
0: great. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm really excited.
2: Yeah. So for those of you who aren't familiar with your story, do you mind just giving us a brief elevator pitch of yourself?
0: Yeah, sure thing. So my name is Zach Bremer. I uh, started doing... Salesforce and Trailhead, I think last October, I spent about 6 months or so learning Salesforce in general, doing it myself, trying to do it like after hours, after work. It was quite the event, but eventually we got there. So I've I landed a job I want to say in July. I got certified May and then I got my job like started in July and I've been at my company for a little over 4 months now. It's been a wild journey. I have learned so much there, but I'm absolutely loving it. And I mean, Salesforce has been a huge game changer for me.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So I know I mentioned this in the intro to the episode, but just sort of reiterating now, a lot of times on the show, and I think pretty much everybody from the panels and that we've interviewed have been talent stacker program alumni. And you're one of the first, if not the first individuals we've brought on who are really highlighting this idea of doing it yourself from start to finish. And clearly, that's what you did. So I think just starting at the beginning, like episodes one through eight of the show, we really walk people through why is Salesforce so compelling, all the way through getting certified, professional branding, resumes, all the way to you know interviews and landing jobs and negotiating job offers. So you did all that before this podcast was even a thing for the most part. And so I would love to hear, you know, let's take it all the way back to the beginning. How did you decide, number one, that Salesforce was something you were going to take seriously? And what was it like going through that process of getting certified, doing it on your own? What did that look like?
0: Yeah, so there was a lot to it. And I think answering the first question there, you know, how did I choose Salesforce? I'm a really big fan of the Choose FI podcast. And I was actually on one of those podcast episodes, so that was really, really cool. But they talked about it so much. And Bradley and Anita, you guys really inspired me to make a change in my life. I was doing a very blue collar. I did like fire alarms and sprinklers and stuff like that. And I mean, the job just kind of sucked. It was really long hours. I remember the one day I worked like 18 hours and I just knew I was ready for a change. Just really didn't enjoy my job. So one day I just went on Trailhead, made an account, and I just started going through it piece by piece It was really intimidating, to be honest, like first starting out, there's so much information in there, but it really was a matter of just piece by piece, module by module, keep going through it. And a lot of it was just, I mean, Trailhead, if I didn't really understand something, YouTube and Google is a perfect resource to find pretty much anything. So that was a really big thing that I did. And I think LinkedIn too was a huge one for me for one, learning new things because people post tons of things, just how to do things. They go through... You know, whether it's writing formulas or it's, you know, reports that they did or flows, there's so much information on LinkedIn. And that also broadened my horizons on, I guess, other Salesforce things. So there's tons of free Salesforce resources you can find, and having a really good LinkedIn network is a great way to find those things. So I think that was a really big thing. You know, Trailhead, look it up on YouTube and Google, and then LinkedIn are probably the big three things that I really kept going through and, you know, each night come home. Do some trailhead, even though you didn't really want to. That night was a long day, but that's how I did it.
2: How many hours do you think you spent? A week studying? Was it really every night?
0: I went through waves, and that's probably why it took me like six months to go through it. You know, there'd be weeks where I would come home and I would spend an hour every single night, you know, for two weeks straight. And then, you know, something in life would come up and I wouldn't do it for a week and then I'd come back to it. You know, this is the reality of it, is that you go through waves and some weekends I'd spend six or eight hours on it, and another weekend, I wouldn't even look at it. It wasn't on my radar for that weekend. There's too many things to do, so I mean there's ups and downs with it.
1: How do you keep yourself accountable? like I know a lot of people like one of the hinging things about um a lot of my perspective comes from inside of talent stackers, so like one of the first things we do is try to get people into study groups right because once you're in a study group, you're accountable to other people and their success is based on you staying after it. And then a lot of times we'll see people who don't join study groups can lose that. It's like going to the gym. It's like you go good for a couple of weeks and then suddenly you find yourself you know, taking a week off. How, how did you keep yourself accountable throughout that process? Because like you said, I think it was October until May to get certified, something right in there. So you're looking at maybe six months to certification. That's a long time. And like I think people think about that and they go... I can do that, you know, six months, I'll study a, you know, a couple times a week and I'll get this thing done. But the reality is it can be difficult to stay on track. So how how did you do that for yourself?
0: Yeah, and I think it's a two-part answer. The first part of that is I really didn't like my job. The job that I was doing, I just didn't enjoy it that much. And I didn't see it being a long-term career for myself. And I think that was a motivating factor. Plus, I was looking at the pay of Salesforce careers. I think that's about everybody is who's doing it. And you know that would have been... A, I mean, it was a huge bump for me from what I was doing before. But I think the second part of that, and I think you bring up a huge point, is having an accountability partner. And that's why I think LinkedIn is huge, especially if you're trying to DIY this, because it is really difficult to do this by yourself. And there's a, a guy that I met on LinkedIn who lives somewhat near me. And I mean, we would talk at least weekly. And we were each other's accountability partners. He actually is a member of the talent stackers, but I think it is super important. And I think that's one of the difficult things if you're going to DIY this is trying to find someone else who's in a similar boat, because I think that makes it a lot easier. I mean, we were both not certified admins. We're both still on trailhead trying to figure this stuff out together. And you know, I feel really lucky having found that guy. But I know that it's very difficult because I've had conversations on LinkedIn with other people and it goes for a day or two and then it sputters out, you know, but I've been very lucky to have one person who has been consistent there for me and really helped keep me accountable too.
2: Uh, hear that everyone, Tom Suckers, just full of cool people. <laughs> I had a question like, because I did try like for a day to DIY and gave up really fast because I have a lot of doubts probably on a lot of things, but this, especially since I didn't know anyone in the industry. Was there any point during like studying for your cert or job search where you're doubting and you're like, oh, I don't know if this is actually going to work? Did you ever run into that at all? And if so, how'd you deal with it?
0: 100%. I can pinpoint it really easily. When you go and you're doing your studying, you're going through and then they hit you with these fancy things called a super badge. And those things were the bane of my existence. I would struggle for hours. or I mean, I remember one, I spent, I think I spent like 16 hours on the super badge. And it's just, I'm just like smacking my head against the wall. And I'm like, is this something I can actually do? Is this legitimately something that I'm capable of doing? And, you know, eventually I got through it and I figured it out. But I mean, there's, yeah, 100%. And I think anyone who says that, you know, I went through this, never had a single doubt in my mind. I think they're lying. They think if you're gonna be really vulnerable and honest. Especially I mean, my background was in blue collar construction in the military. Like that's what I did before this. It had nothing to do with tech. I have no tech background. So coming into this and being, Oh yeah, I've got this hundred percent, no doubts, never questioning it, I think that's unrealistic.
1: Yeah, I think that's really fair. I always I'll say I, I, I am pretty critical, but when I see the people posting on LinkedIn and they're like, I just passed my Salesforce certification. It was so easy. I did it the first time. I'm like, if it was so easy, why are you like screaming so loud about how easy it was and how you did like, shouldn't you just be like, I passed my certification. And that w- I didn't seem that hard and just put it out there. But no, I mean, the, the reality is the majority of people fell the admin certification on their first attempt. That's just the reality of it. And I, I always try to say that There is a clear path to getting certified. It is like, go on Trailhead, follow these trails, get these super badges, take this exam. It's very clear what you need to do, but it is not easy. And there's a big difference between something being easy and something having a clear path. Like There are mapped out paths to climb ridiculous rock faces to reach the top of a mountain. And there's a path and it is clear. Doing it is a completely different thing. So I think that's really interesting that you mentioned you had an accountability partner. I think that's something that a lot of people probably want, but it can be difficult to find somebody that actually, you know, sticks with you. And I've even told people, you know, they're like, what do you recommend right away if I'm going to do this myself? And it's, I would start a study group with someone. And what I tend to say is try to find three or four people that you trust, and like you've already developed a little bit of a relationship with, whether that be on LinkedIn or a group like the Salesforce for Everyone Facebook group, people you're already communicating with and you've seen that they're in there consistently. so they've got a little you know skin in the game and a little bit of uh, you know that push to stay focused. and then try to get three or four of those people in a study group. And the reason I say three or four is because I still expect. Even when you're cherry picking the people you're going to be in a group with, you're probably going to end up with just one or two sticking it out with you for more than a month. And those are going to be your people all the way through that process. So it sounds like you found somebody who was in it and that's pretty fortunate, but obviously you seem like you've got a lot of gratitude for for knowing that that was something that was so necessary to the process.
0: Yeah, I, I really am fortunate. And, you know, Brad, I just want to take one step back to your certification thing. You know, those posts that people have like this test, and I know that the test has changed recently, but for me, you know, it it was not easy. You know, even having that one person help study with, I failed my exam three times. I passed on my fourth attempt. So it really is a difficult thing to do. Like you said, it's simple, but it's not easy. And I think you make a great point where You know, I I feel like I got incredibly lucky having that one person who stuck around and I still talk to them every week. You know, even we're both in Salesforce careers now, just talking to each other. But it is really hard to find people who are going to stick into it more than just, I'm going to test the waters for this for a week, dip my toes and "Eh, it's not for me or it's too much work or I don't want to do this. So, yeah.
2: That's amazing. I mean, like that should have been your next answer for Super Badge for like... One of the times you had doubts, like <laughs> failing three times is, that's rough, but good for you, like finally passing and not giving up. So let's rewind. So you studied, took you about six months to study and finally passed the exam. Now it's the job search, which it sounds like it wasn't too long. It was about, what, two months from getting certified to job landed?
1: And I know people are probably hearing that and they're like, "What? Like, I've been certified for a year and I haven't found a job. Like, how did this guy do it in 2 or 3 months?" Yeah, I we need to know.
2: Yeah, so how did you do
0: it? <laughs> I'm going to bring it back to my good old friend LinkedIn. LinkedIn is an absolutely amazing tool. So my process, so I got certified and then I think there was a good uh maybe an hour before I started applying to different places with that updated resume. I mean, it really was At a certain point, it's a numbers game where you put out, you know, a hundred resumes and you're going to get 10%, you're going to get a response and you might get four or five interviews. And obviously those numbers are, they're not perfect, but at some point you got to just put a resume out there and see what sticks and put your name on things and says, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure that I meet all the qualifications for this, but I still want to apply because I need a job. I'm looking for something, you know, I meet three out of four, I'm at 75%, you know, let's go for it. And I think LinkedIn, again, I I found the company that I'm working for off of LinkedIn. The company is called Fast Slow Motion. They're a great team and they've hired a bunch of talent stackers. I think the group's almost up to like 20 now, but it, it really is LinkedIn going out there. Indeed, put your resume out there as much as possible and try and get as many interviews as possible. And take every single interview that you do as a learning experience. Because I I had, oh my God, I can't remember how many interviews I went to. I sat there, talked to the recruiter, and then it got pushed past. I had a great first interview. And then it's, sorry, we're looking for someone with more experience. And if you're looking for a Salesforce job, I know you've heard it. You're going to hear it again. And it's really hard to keep hearing it over and over again. But I promise you, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just a numbers game at some point.
2: That's impressive. You were able to get so many interviews. It sounds like your resume was already really well done. Did you use any free resources to help, I guess, streamline that a bit? Because that that's something a lot of people have trouble getting past the ATS systems or getting past the recruiters with like an appropriate resume.
0: Yeah. And I can't remember off the top of my head what resource it was, but there are resources. So you can go into Word and create a resume like that and that's fine. Actually, I remember it was LinkedIn. LinkedIn has a resume building service and you can plug in your certifications and your job experience like from your LinkedIn profile and it will build you a resume. And the really, really nice thing about it is that whatever backend magic it has, when you go to put that resume in, it autofills correctly. When you go to apply somewhere, it says job one and it has your job one in the proper description. When I try to do it with like a Word document, it's job one and it's the, and the job description is my, email address. It's not the right thing. So LinkedIn was super helpful for me for building out a resume and making sure that one, it looked professional. And again, that buddy system, I had the guy I was talking to review my resume a few times and look over it and make sure things look good and sounded good and were worded right. And then also just taking inspiration from other people's resumes in LinkedIn profiles. That's a huge thing. Look at someone who is successful, who's in that position, and then just copy them. I promise you, there's stuff in my resume that I didn't write myself. I was like, "That sounds really good. Let me just take a piece of that." So I think that's a really powerful way to lower your effort but make it sound really good
1: too. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I would say that, like, using the the method, I, I sort of refer to that generically as coattailing. I think some people think of that as like a negative connotation. It's like, oh, you're coattailing someone else, and it's like mm, that's not really true. Like, if you go on LinkedIn and you, I, I always say like people like maybe they're searching for an entry-level Salesforce job and they see somebody else landed an entry-level Salesforce job. And their initial thought is, oh man, that could have been me. That sucks. Like I should have applied to that company. I should have interviewed at that company. But really, if you spin that and you go, look at that person as an instant role model, like they landed a job today or extremely recently. So go look at their LinkedIn profile right now. That was the LinkedIn profile that they used when they got the job. If you can find their resume, send them a message, say, Hey, do you mind sharing your resume with me? The, you know, I'm looking for an entry-level job and obviously your resume got you a job. Can I check it out and take a look at it and see what you can pull from it. See if there's anything you can garner from that resume that'll help you build your resume. And these are all just concepts. go look at what they were posting on LinkedIn. Go look at what they were talking about. Go look at how they were responding to other people. And if you can get a feel for how they were acting, and then you can do that with five other people that just go look on LinkedIn at the people who landed entry-level jobs. Go look at five people who landed entry-level Salesforce jobs in the last month and just review their LinkedIn's, try to review their resumes, try to see how they you know, are active in the Salesforce communities, and then just coattail tell that process. It's not everything you need to do, but it can certainly point you in the right direction of some major things you might be doing wrong. So I, I think that strategy that you're talking about is... You know, I think to you, maybe it came naturally where you were like, oh, yeah, I'll just do this. And that's just the most efficient way to get X, Y, Z done. And I'll go try to land a job. But in reality, it's not the most obvious strategy in the world. And a lot of people overlook the fact that they can get 70% of the way there by trying to imitate how the most successful people are doing it.
0: Yeah. And I I think another tip that I think I heard from you guys on one of the earlier Salesforce Everyone podcast episodes was... If you go to either LinkedIn or Indeed, wherever they're posting their jobs, sometimes you can go on there and you can see who is the recruiting team. And you can click on that person and send them a message and say, hey, I just submitted my application. I'd love to learn more from someone who's actually working at the company. And you will be amazed by the responses you will get because that's not something that people do. You know, go out there and just find the recruiter, whoever it is, and introduce yourself on a personal level, and you're going to stand out so much more. Once I started doing that, I immediately got so much more engagement. Not necessarily more, you know, I didn't get to that third interview, but I got more of those first interviews. You know, it really does make a difference when you're talking to those recruiters and be like, hey, I'm not just another paper on the stack, I'm a person here who's passionate, who wants to come and talk to you guys. And you know, find a new career. And I think a lot of people really appreciate that. Just that little step. Find the recruiter and send them a message.
1: You're spot on. And it's anytime you can bring people back into the process because we've seen this tech boom where companies are trying to become more efficient and they are becoming more efficient. But there are downsides to that. Our companies are becoming more efficient by introducing automations. And it's these automated resume review platforms. It's an automated way to apply online. And it's just so they can do the same job, hopefully more efficiently with less one-on-one person time involved. And so what you're doing is is you're basically saying, screw that process. I'm going to do the process my own way. And you're reintroducing people back into the process. So instead of just clicking apply now, and then hoping it gets into someone's hands, You're going out to the people because a computer is not going to say who's hired and who is not hired. A person is going to make that decision. So if you can get your name as an individual, not as a resume, but as an individual person, and you can make a connection with another actual person, you have tremendously improved your odds of getting one step further in the process. And one step further in the process, when you look at a resume stack that has 300 resumes in it, just getting that initial interview puts you at the probably the top 3% of the people in that resume and that's huge if you can do that consistently.
0: Yeah, like I said, every opportunity you have to talk to someone else, you know, on the recruiting side of things is just more experience. Every interview you're going to come out with something and you know, there's going to be more opportunity for you to learn and grow from that conversation that you have.
1: All right. So I think naturally progressing through this process, like we've learned a lot about, you know, how you got certified and some of the strategies you use to go from certified to actually getting interviews. But something we haven't really talked about is the interview process itself. So can you talk us through? I mean, were you just showing up to interviews hoping that they went okay? Or did you have a strategy in mind or something you were trying to accomplish in these interviews?
0: So my interview strategy. I tried to be really intentional about making it conversational and trying to make the interview not feel like, what's your work background? Oh, I worked at, you know, I did a construction. Okay, well, what else? You know, really elaborate on things. And I really, really tried to make it conversational. And I think that's really beneficial because at the end of the day, if you land a job, you're going to be working with these people each and every day. And so the better you feel about that interview, the better that they're going to feel about it. And so I think it's really important to, again, not just make it a, what's your answer? You know, yes, I worked here. Yes, I did this. Here's my certification. But really, you know, take time to ask you about what they think about the role, ask their opinion on what the company's like, and really take it from not just them interviewing you, but also take the time as the candidate to interview the company that you're going to be working for. Because I found that the recruiters that I talked to that were really... I don't want to say like monotone, but really boring, they weren't excited to be there. I think that's going to give you a lot of insight into what kind of company it is. Because if the recruiters not super pumped and energized and ready to be there, to me, that's almost a little bit of foreshadowing saying, yeah, this company might not be doing everything correctly. So I think when you're doing an interview, again, it's not just them interviewing you. Take the opportunity to interview them back and ask them questions.
2: So on that note, what kind of questions did you ask or you found like gave the best answer to indicate whether or not it was a good company to work for? I think
0: there's some personal questions you want to ask and figure out what's important to you. So one of the big questions I always ask, first off, I just asked, how do you like working for this company? It's really simple. But if they say, oh, man, I don't know, I don't plan on being here that long. I mean, that's an indicator right then and there. Like, okay, things might not be great. Wait, did someone say that? I I had someone who was just I mean, I swear I asked him. So what do you like about the company? Uh uh and like I swear it was a full like 10 seconds of them not saying anything.
1: Yeah, that's wild.
0: Yeah, and I think again, that's a huge indicator to be like, yeah, this might not be a place I want to go cuz remember, at the end of the day, you're not going to go here once a week. You're going to spend 40 hours a week here working with these people, talking to them. And if that's what the company culture's like, it tells you a lot about it.
1: Yeah, I like that. I think number one, you mentioned making it conversational, and we we talk a lot about, especially inside the program, we talk a lot about you know making sure that you're telling stories. And episode six of this podcast was all about interviewing. Like I think it's titled like "You Suck at Interviewing" or something like that. I actually think you were pretty good at interviewing based on what we're hearing. So maybe that one didn't apply to you. But uh, you know, it's a lot about making it conversational because you want them to, to your point, to leave. And think, you know, that was all right. Like that didn't feel like work just then. Because you got to remember, like when people are interviewing you for a job, that is their job. Like they are at work as they're interviewing you. So if you can make them feel like they just spent 20, 30 minutes and they weren't working and they were just hanging out with you on an interview, especially when you get to those sort of the end, the wrap up where they're saying, you have any questions for us? Is there anything else you wish we knew? You know, this and that. You've got to take those, I call them softball questions. Like, even the opener is like, tell us a little something about yourself. Like that is your cue to say whatever you want to say. And you should be prepared before every interview to have, what is it about you that you want to make sure they know before you leave? And you don't want this interview to end without them knowing how valuable you are. You say, tell me a little something about yourself. I got 60, 90, 120 seconds to like nail you with exactly what I want to tell you. Cause you haven't asked me a pointed question yet. And you're exactly right on those wrap ups if you're feeling a little uncomfortable, like you're not sure, you know, some people might just be burnt out that day or maybe something happened in their personal life. But if you hit them with a question like that and you just say, you know, can you tell me some things you you like about working at this company and and you floor them and they don't know what to say? Yeah, that's a red flag for sure.
0: Yeah. Again, there's lots of questions you can ask, but I think asking questions, just asking some questions is really important. I mean, I think if you talk to a lot of employers, that's something they look for. Is not someone who's just going to come in and nod their head and say, yes, no, You know, they're going to be there and ask questions. And I think some other interview like things that helped me, first off, people have different opinions on this, but I wore a suit. I didn't wear a tie, but I wore a suit with a button-down shirt for every single interview that I had that I had a camera on for. And for some people, it didn't make a difference. And I was the only one sitting in there, and I'd be on a Zoom call with three people who were dressed in T-shirts. And I'm in a suit. And to me, that's just kind of how I was raised, where if you're going to be for an interview, dress for the position that you want to be in, not for the position that you currently are in. So I think that, for me, is a big thing. Obviously, if you're at work and you've got an interview, go to the interview no matter what. But at the same time, if you can, take the time to make yourself look really professional. Because from what I was hearing is that that's not a common thing, I guess, for a lot of people. A lot of people go on with, you know, just a t shirt and go to the interview and you're gonna stand out and it's those little things. You know, every little bit that you can do is gonna give you an edge over the person who has the same certification as you with no tech background. You guys are on the same level, so how are you gonna differentiate yourself? And I think that's really powerful. And I think one of the the things that I wish I had better access to. Is going to be like practiced or rehearsing actual interviews because I my experiences was all just jump right in. This is a company I could potentially work for, so I think that's a cool thing about the talent stacker too. Is is that opportunity?
1: Yeah, I, I want to point out too. You you mentioned something. Thanks for the plug, by the way. Um, you you talked about dressing for the job you want, not for the one you have, and I, I like that because it's a common saying, right? And I'll say I tend to not wear suits in interviews because I don't want a job where I have to wear a suit. Um, but, th- but that's just me. Um, So that is not the job I want. But I think that carries into a lot of different pieces of really just how you put yourself out there. Because I think there are people who feel uncomfortable saying certain things in resumes and on their LinkedIn profiles. And they don't feel comfortable. Because to your point, if you wear a suit to an interview, but you're not an executive at a company, then why should you be wearing a suit, right? And it, it's because you're dressing to a point to show what you're capable of and like show what you can be, right? And you want to create that presentation. The same thing goes for your resume and LinkedIn profile. People are like, ah, I don't want to put, you know, I got certified. I don't want to put Salesforce certified professional in my LinkedIn title because I'm not a professional yet. And it's like your resume and your LinkedIn need to show people what you're capable of and what you aspire to be. If you just put what you already are, you have to show people what you can be. Otherwise, they're never going to see you as that. Because if you go and say, I'm a military veteran and I've got a blue collar background, they're going to see you as a military veteran and someone with a blue collar background. But you have to show them what you want to be, what you're going to be, what you're capable of. So I do think that that's to your point, a really strong concept and it carries throughout, I think it carries throughout your life, but especially in a job search, it carries throughout every piece of what you do. And anytime you can differentiate yourself, you're exactly right. And that's at every point, that's how you communicate whenever you're talking to people on LinkedIn, trailblazer groups, Facebook groups, about Salesforce, it's your LinkedIn, it's your interview, and it's how you act when you get to work too. So I'd love to, if we could talk a little bit about, this was not meant to be a segue, but it can be. How's it going at work? Like, how prepared do you feel? Are you transitioning in pretty well? I mean, we've talked repeatedly about no tech background, coming completely unrelated, working on Trailhead. What's it like? Like, you are a tech professional now. Like, how has the adjustment been?
0: It has been quite the adjustment. Let me let me start with there. Just well, looking at my work environment. So my last job, for reference today, it was about 35 degrees outside. And my last job, I probably would have been on the side of a road, probably in a hole in the ground. Today, I was at my desk and my cat was cuddling me. That's what I was doing today. That's my work environment. So it's been much better from that front. But the work itself, I mean, it is crazy how much there is to learn. You know, I took my certification exam like, wow, I think I know a ton of Salesforce now. I'm ready to go you know, start throwing me on some projects. And the company that I work for is a consulting company. So we work with a bunch of different projects. I think I've been a part of probably 20 plus projects at this point over the course of four months, working with everything from basic Salesforce to CPQ, which is a complex quoting system. We've done marketing stuff. We've done financial services cloud. So we're doing a ton of different things. And I love it. If you want a new challenge every day. You go to work. Salesforce is such a cool environment for that, and it's going to challenge you in different ways that you don't traditionally get challenged by. At least in my history, I haven't. Where the problem is just it's mental and it's thinking through. You know, how does this work? How do I get this to work? And how do I solve the problems? And like I said, I've, I've been absolutely loving it. I've learned a ton, and I know that there's so much space for growth not just within my company, but within Salesforce as an ecosystem. Like there's so much job opportunity out there. I mean, I think I saw a report the other day where it's like Salesforce consultants has like a 30% growth rate over this past year. Like the market is growing insanely fast. So there's so much potential out there.
2: That's really cool. And that also sounds scary. Do you ever feel like you, you have to like hide maybe how new you are or is your company pretty open and supportive? So you, it's not a big deal if you don't know how to do something. Like, do you have resources available to you at this company? I don't have any,
0: you know, special secret Salesforce resources. You know, we use pretty much the same thing everyone else does. And I tell you, I hope you really like Trailhead because I use Trailhead pretty much every single day when I'm going through and looking up new things. You know, there's new features that come out, and the best place to learn it is going on Trailhead. And I think, you know, to your point on, I'm going to call it like some imposter syndrome there where there's so much to learn. You know, it definitely is overwhelming at first. I'm really thankful though that the company that I work for is very supportive in, if you don't know, just ask. You're not going to be in trouble. You know, we're here to help you. And in the long term, we know if we're going to put an investment right now to teach you this, that it's going to pay dividends in the future. So I'm just very grateful for them. I mean, they are very open with, if you don't know, that's cool. We're here to teach you. And you know when you know something, and when that next person comes on, take the time to teach them the things that you learn too.
1: I think that's really interesting. And I wanted to point out that you reminded me of something. When, when I was starting my Salesforce career at first, my first year, I worked internally at a business. So I'm like 22 years old working in-house and I've got a senior admin and I'm a junior admin. And You know, I I had limited exposure to all the things that Salesforce did, and all the different ways that companies used Salesforce. And the second job I took, you know, I did a a year in house at a company. And the second job I took was a a consulting role. And when I got in there, it it was amazing and how much was going on. But I got to tell you, maybe I'm being stereotypical to say like millennial or Gen Z mindset is very we just like to move quickly. I was constantly thinking, and I know a lot of my coworkers were thinking. You know, when can I go to the next job? And job hopping was very popular. But what I noticed is, especially in consulting, I was constantly getting put on new projects, working for new companies in new industries with new problems and new solutions that needed to be put into place. And it almost sort of crushed that need for me to go jump to another job and, like, oh, I'm bored at work. I was never bored at work. Like, I always had something, yes, challenging, but also relatively interesting to work on compared to you know people who are doing other things i was doing stuff at work that was interesting and i would it didn't feel monotonous at all and i think that was really exciting and plus i'll say too that being inside of these processes where you get to learn about businesses i think again maybe i'm picking on people in my my age range were like very entrepreneurial like everybody's always talking about starting a business and doing something like this is the best exposure you can get going into businesses helping them understand how to become more efficient, how to streamline their business processes, what they're doing wrong compared to other people in their industry, helping them get past those pain points. If you ever want to start your own business, even if it's on the side of your day job, the experience you get as a Salesforce professional, especially in consulting, just puts you light years above those individuals who are trying to start a company, but they don't have a business background. It just puts you way out front. So I just wanted to point that out because I know when we started talent stacker. Um, And when I started my consulting business, it wasn't necessarily the Salesforce technical skills that made it successful. It was the experience with business processes and how people operated and the troubles and problems that they had and knowing how to solution for those. And that if you're just patient and you keep working on solutions, that you will fix any problem. So yeah, all that to say, I think that's a really solid answer. And I, I really enjoy that idea of constantly challenging.
0: Yeah, and I think you highlighted a really one thing that surprised me because when I was looking for jobs, I was open for either you know a traditional admin where you work for one company or a consultant role. And as I've developed more in the consultant role, I've realized that one of my passions in life is understanding business processes. And I think if you're a person who enjoys the shows like Bar Rescue, where John Taffer goes into bars and he fixes them up and revamps them. But he's looking at like the science behind how they work. If you if shows like that, anything where they go in, fix up a company or a business, and then revamp it, if you like that, you're going to love consulting. Like You learn so much stuff. And just the variation of it is insane. I mean, we work with small companies that are starting up and have five people. And then we're also working with a multi-billion dollar steel manufacturer. I am working on such wildly different projects, and they all have different requirements, And, you know, you have to learn new things. And I'll definitely say it's a challenge. But like you said, I mean, it's a great challenge to have and to challenge yourself each day to get better, to learn more and become the best version of yourself, you know, not just personally, but also, you know, as a Salesforce professional too.
2: Yeah, I can definitely see why you nailed your interviews. The passion really oozes from you. So going back, talking about this DIY route, you mentioned some free resources like Trailhead and LinkedIn networking through there. But are there any other resources available that you heard of or used that you'd like to share?
0: Yeah, I think there's a ton of resources for the military. I mean, I think there's an episode that just came out. There's there's an episode about it. So take a look at that. There's a the thing called Vet Force. There's so much information and so much support for military members and their spouses. So take a look at that if you're any part of the military. Uh, if you're not part of the military or anything anything else at all, Salesforce puts together they call them certification days and they are free to sign up for they are Salesforce ran and they go through and they run through the newest version of the admin i think there's a platform app builder and i think there's one more certification that they go through and they'll walk you through line by line piece by piece here's all the steps on the new exam here's where to find resources for it here's the answer to the test and they also give you discount vouchers too for the actual certifications. I think I did one of them and I think it was like seventy-five dollars off your first test take. That's seventy-five dollars. That's better than free. That's extra money for you. So I definitely recommend doing that even if you know you're feeling confident, ready to go take that test. If they have one going on, sign up for it and get some more review in there.
2: Oh, cool, thanks. And and if anyone is interested about finding out more um, in regards to the military free resources, check out episode 24, where we have a panel of military veterans and military spouses. All right, one last question for you. So going through this entire process, what did you wish you would have done differently, if anything at all?
0: I think the biggest thing, and I talked about it a bit today, is just how powerful LinkedIn is. And I didn't realize it. And I know I took that five day challenge. That was the first thing that kickstarted me into Salesforce. And I was like, eh, the LinkedIn person, who cares? I'm going to do the trailhead stuff and I'll be good. But LinkedIn is such a powerful tool if you are going to DIY from building those connections and finding other companies to, again, the better your network is. You're more likely to find out when new things happen. If you follow a bunch of Salesforce influencers, they're going to say, hey, there's a new program going on, or there's this new thing you can go take advantage of. I mean, I learned that they are giving away free certification vouchers because of people on LinkedIn. Like, I didn't know about it until someone posted about it. The Salesforce ecosystem is huge, and it's one big family that's trying to support each other. So take advantage of that. Really get involved. You know, make a post. Even if you don't think anyone's gonna see it, but you're just really proud you did that super badge, make a post about it. It's gonna make a difference, especially when those recruiters start to go look at your profile and say, Hey, you know, is this person gonna be a good fit? The more posts you have, it shows off one, you know what you're talking about. But two, you just get more involved, you'll make more connections, and I can't understate how powerful it is.
2: All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. And for you listeners out there, if you haven't listened to any of the other episodes at all, (laughs) one other free DIY resource is the free five day challenge. So head over to talentsacker.com forward slash start to get kind of a clear roadmap on how to land your first Salesforce job.
1: And if you're enjoying the show and you feel like you're actually getting value from this and you enjoy hearing from people like Zach, who are absolutely killing the Salesforce journey and knocking this thing out especially taking the DIY approach. And I know that excites a lot of people, but make sure you go back and listen to episodes one through eight. That is going to really help you dial in exactly what you need to do from start to finish to landing your Salesforce job. And if you're enjoying that, be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you don't mind, go leave us a review. And if you have listened to the episodes in the past, you'll know that every now and then, we do a and a episode. And if you want to get your questions answered there, make sure to head over to talentstacker.com forward slash voicemail to leave a voicemail question, or you can leave a question in the written feedback on your review. So we're looking forward to talking to everyone. We hope you're enjoying it and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. To get started for free on your own Salesforce career, go to talentstacker.com forward slash start or check the show notes. There you'll find all the resources you need to start earning sixty to 80000 in as little as eight months, no matter your education or career background. The Salesforce for Everyone podcast was produced by Edmund T and engineered by Andrew Mendonca. If you like what we do at this scrappy can-do podcast, please help others find us by leaving a five-star rating and a great review on whichever platform you're listening to us right now. See you next time.